You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. It's a cold morning. Um, sometimes cold mornings are the best times to serve hot tea. So I'm going to serve you guys some hot tea this morning. Before I go into, before I go into the teaching of the day, I want to share a testimony that I heard this morning. So how many of you came for miracle service? Raise your hand. All right, put your hands down. For those of you who don't know what Miracle Service is, once every month as a church, we gather together to pray, to worship, and to allow the spirits have free flow in our midst, you know, and deal with situations, deal with problems. You see, because Christianity is not just for the afterlife, it's for here too. And thank God it's for here too. If God was only concerned with the afterlife, we will suffer in this world. Thank God for miracles. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yesterday I was speaking with my pastor and we are talking about how important miracles are. People get kidnapped and by miracles they get back. Hallelujah. Yes. So last, last miracle service, um, we had finished praying. You know, we had this prayer time. I was very, very impactful. And then we had finished praying and then I had a word of knowledge for somebody who um, wrote something about kidney failure in, in their prayer request. How many of you remember? All right. So this morning, as I was having my bath, I was in the bathroom and I got a text message from the person. So it was a maker that wrote it on his prayer request list. And it was about his brother who had kidney stones and um, he had gone to the hospital and if you know anything about kidney stones, they don't really treat kidney stones by giving you medicine. They just put you on a diet and you hope to God that they go away. All right. And then I think he said they put the, the brother on a diet two weeks ago. Where's Emeka? Raise your hand. Was it two weeks ago? Over a month now. So he has been on a diet trying to recover. And um, we gave the word. He came out. We prayed together. He took the video, he went online, took the video, sent it to his brother, and um, told the brother, go and test yourself. And this morning, of course, you already know where this is going to. This morning, um, he, he just sent, the brother sent him a text and he forwarded it to me. The kidney stones cleared. Medically. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. And, and may we never get used to these testimonies. May we never lose our wonder. Because every time I see a testimony like this, I'm like, what? You can ask a maker when he sends me the message. I first of all shouted like, ha! Like three times first, like, ha! Ha! Are you sure? Say, yes, the brother went to do a test. It's medically confirmed. No stones. Praise God. That's just where you are. I know we've done this already today. But lift your hands and say thank you father for the miracle service just go ahead and thank god for testimonies from the miracle service 
thank him for testimonies from the miracle service. Thank him for this testimony. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. All right, let's get into the word. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 if you've been a member of Circle Church for a while this scripture shouldn't be strange to you 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 thank you Lord Jesus every time I think of all you've done I'm full of praise, so full of praise, a thousand songs won't be enough to sing your praise, to sing your praise, one more time, and every time I Everybody read 2 Timothy 3.16 together. I want to go. It says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17. That the man of God may be truly furnished or may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Hallelujah. When it comes to the Christian faith, Practices in the Christian faith are not carried out by instinct. Practices in the Christian faith are not carried out by instinct. When it comes to the Christian faith, everything we do must be done as taught by the Word of God. If you could just take it down a little bit, just a little bit, thank you. As taught by the Word of God. And so, we don't just pray. Because, oh, when we were young, we grew up in a Christian home, and we, we said we should pray. You know, in most Christian homes, they don't teach people how to pray. You just grow old enough to talk, and they are pushing prayer to you. They are leading devotion tomorrow morning. And then you raise your hand if they ever gave you devotion to lead, and you are wondering what you were going to say. So you started looking for open heavens devotion now, so that you will say what they wrote in open heavens. Thank God for open heavens. Right. 
most when it comes to Christianity, Christian practices are not done by guesswork. The Bible must inform our practices. The tenets of our practices must be informed by scripture. Do you understand that? That's very simple. So we don't just pray arbitrarily. Many people pray. Prayer is not unique to Christianity. In Islam, for example, they pray five times every day. They have a culture of prayer. So prayer is not unique to Christianity. Which means, if you will pray um, Christian prayers, you must do it in such a way that it is utterly unique to Christianity. Does that make sense? The truth is this. Um, so I've been reading up, I study a lot, and um, so recently I've been doing a lot of study on theology, formation of doctrine, and um, theology generally. And something I've, I've discovered is a lot of our, a lot of our doctrinal persuasion as Africans, a lot of our doctrinal persuasions as Africans um, were heavily influenced by the African traditional religion. Heavily influenced. Even our doctrine on honor, as, as little as the doctrine on honor goes, it, it's heavily influenced. So, raise your hand if you got a job and you were working in, let's say, in a bank. And you know, in the 21st century, in, in the banks, they insist that you call each other by your first name. Raise your hand if you're in the working space and you understand what I'm saying. They insist that you you call each other by first. By so my my sister works. She doesn't work in the bank, but she works in the corporate space. And there's this lady. She's always talking about Cindy. And so for the longest time, I, I used to hear Cindy's name, and I used to think Cindy was a young woman like me. She is a young woman, but she's older than I am. Right? And, and my sister is younger than me, so she's old, definitely older than my sister. So she's always talking, Cindy said, Cindy, I'm like, who is this girl? Who is this? And then she showed me a picture. I'm like, this person should be a mother, you know. But if she's not yet a mother, at least she's older than both of us. She should be auntie or sister. African, African tradition. And we bring it into Christianity. When you have somebody in church who is older than you, you know you find it difficult to call them by their first name. So for instance, um, let's say Finn. So you say, um, he, let's say Finn is in his 30s, late 30s or mid 30s. He already acts like that, so you can as well use him as an example. So let's say Finn is in his late 30s or mid 30s, and you are just 22. It's very difficult to walk up to him and say, Finn, you most likely call him Brother Finn. Uncle Finn in, in, in more crystal, like in more in younger churches we call them uncle this funkified way of saying uncle <laughs> and so even in prayer we have a lot of African traditional religion that has found its way into Christian prayers into Christian prayers that's the reason why you have such a deviation from scripture 
in many places when you hear some prayers there are some prayers that you hear that you cannot understand why this prayer exists when you don't see any pattern of it in scripture you know there are some things that you see and you say okay they misinterpreted this scripture to pray like this I'm talking about prayers that you don't see anybody pray like that in scripture there is no pattern in scripture there is no reason why such prayers should exist except that we have an African traditional religion which is not necessarily bad it's just we worship dead gods except that they have an African traditional religion that seeped it's seeped into Christianity and we adopted those practices and it's very difficult to separate them so for instance raise your hand if you've ever heard of first fruit offering good put your hands down and the general teaching on the first fruit offering is that at the beginning of every year correct me if I'm wrong you will take your first salary drag it like Isaac and drop it in church is that correct do you realize that there is no Christian there's no biblical basis for that there is a first fruit offering in the Bible and the first fruit offering was no salary no what the first fruit offering was was that at the beginning of the harvest season the first plants not your first harvest the very first thing you harvest from the ground you give it as an offering to the church or then to the high priests but even that is not a practice of the new testament why because in the new testament we realize that what was going on in the old testament was a typification of what was to come in the new Christ is our first fruit offering do you understand this so there is no biblical basis for carrying your first salary of the year and giving it to church none so where did we learn it from New Yam Festival <laughs> do you know <laughs> that's where it comes from <laughs> it comes from festivals Africanized first festivals and the thing is many of us don't realize it a lot of us say Christianity is the white man's religion if you look well right now Africa exports Christianity let me tell you in case you don't know Africa exports Christianity a lot of the white preachers preach what Africans preach especially Pentecostals it's only maybe in reformed circles like Calvinism that you find um, a white variation of Christianity. The truth is Africa exports it. So we start it here, we package it well, we export it, they adopt it, they don't even know what they're practicing. And so, as a Christian, you must always, always question the biblical precedence of your actions especially things that you call Christian doctrine or Christian practice. So I'm a Christian, I pray. I know I'm praying, but is this how the Bible asked me to pray? This is why the Bible is very important. You see, because the Bible was written long before any of us came, right? Which means that it won't change to meet us. We will change to match it. Are you getting it? So, the um, consistency of scripture is what protects you as a Christian. 
the fact that the Bible said this on prayer 200 years ago, 600 years ago, and today it is still the same thing the Bible said on prayer 600 years ago that it is saying today, and it won't change in 600 years' time. Do you understand? Yes. That's the reason why we default to scripture. That's the reason why you don't learn prayer from watching your pastor pray alone. First of all, you learn from scripture. Then you can now match your pastor's prayer life what is in scripture. If it aligns, then okay, I have an example to follow. Praise the Lord. Because honestly, sometimes you have been in situations where you want to pray some, for lack of a better phrase, warfare prayers. And you keep looking for a scripture to use. Especially now that you know how to study the Bible. And you've searched and searched and searched and there is no one. So you close the Bible because you really want to pray those prayers. So you close the Bible and say, God, you will understand. I keep the Bible aside and go ahead with your warfare prayers. And God is like, I, I get your, I get where you are coming from, but this is not how to pray. Do you understand? So today, I'm teaching you how to pray. I've taught you what to pray, why to pray. Now I'm talking to you about how to pray. But let me see. I've taught you when to pray. That was the first teaching. When I talked about persistence, pray without season. That's when to pray. When do you pray? Every time. All right. The second teaching, I taught you how to pray, part one, praying in the spirit. Is that correct? Then last week, we talked about priorities in prayer. So what to pray, part one. Why, why you should pray, part two. Do you get that? And so now I'm teaching you how to pray part two. Principles of prayer. Number one, you must pray with an identity consciousness. You must pray with what? Come on, chorus it like a mass choir. You must pray with what? Media team, if you would, please put up Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8 on the screen. It's a very popular scripture very misquoted scripture too but very popular everybody read together one two go he says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the lord but the prayer of the upright is his delight notice he didn't say the prayer of the wicked is an abomination unto god it says the sacrifice is different all right he says the sacrifice of the wicked you know because if if the prayer of a sinner of course the, the word wicked there is sinner if the prayer of a sinner was an abomination unto god then how does the sinner get saved and then also you have instances in the Old Testament sinners prayed. People who didn't really believe in God. Just spoke words to God and God spoke to them. It's the sacrifice of the wicked. There's a reason why it's, it's like that. And I, I can't go into that today. But he says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. Now, take notes that he says the prayer of the upright is God's delight. Or, if you can put this in a more recent translation, it will be the prayer of the righteous is God's delight or is acceptable to God. Which means that when it comes to prayer, 
who is praying matters more than what is going on in the prayer do you understand who is talking matters more than what is being said it's not just in prayer in general communication is that true who is talking matters more than what is being said many times the person talking gives i um, gives some type of context to what is being said and it varies the severity or the seriousness of what is being said some of you joke amongst yourselves so your friend is a funny person i pity people who are funny people they get insulted the most so you crack a funny joke or you say something for you are, you are such a fool what have i done to warrant being called a fool all right but now your friend calls you a fool and you understand the context of the word because he's your friend you don't get angry that please please in your life never you again in your life you don't do that because of who is talking if a random stranger on the road just stops you and then says you're such a fool first of all ask person from where to where do you know me before because identity matters in communication when you pray be identity conscious he says the prayer of the upright is acceptable to God and I don't have a lot of time to do this but let me try and explain what does it mean to be righteous you know a lot of people think righteous to be righteous means you don't commit any sin there is no such person do you understand this there is no such person who doesn't commit sin who doesn't do wrong no such person the only person who never committed sin in the flesh was Jesus not even Paul not even Peter no such person amen so righteousness doesn't mean sinlessness the word righteousness means to be in right standing do you understand that so let me use let me give you an example um love please come henry please come loveth please come so now these three people please face the crowd please put your hands together for them so now these three people are members of this church now let's say henry i know the three of them right but a couple of months ago henry did something to a member of this church that um was very bad i'm so i'm sorry and so we had to excommunicate him from the church and yes that's a thing you the bible prescribes that there is a level to which a person will misbehave within the local assembly that you you ask the person to stay outside all right so we had to excommunicate him from the church he was no longer in right standing with the church do you understand that now she on the other hand became a worker of the church was very 
fervent in church. She comes all the time. She does all she needs to do. And so because of her practices, she is in right standing with the church. Are you following? But this one just came to church the first day. And everybody in church decided to love her. And so due to nothing she has done, she is also in right standing with the... Are you getting this now? The act of being in right standing with the church is called righteousness. He isn't righteous because of his works. Are you following? She is righteous, but because of her works. Are you getting this? She is righteous, not because of her works, but because of the church that chose to call her righteous. In Christianity, this doesn't exist. There is nobody who is unrighteous because of their works. Are you getting what I'm saying? This also doesn't exist. There is nobody who is righteous because they are good enough. All three of them in Christianity are righteous just like she is. We did nothing to earn it. You have not worked. You haven't, from the first day God saw you, he said, ah, you are right standing with me. Are you getting this? So to put it in another way, you enter God's good books. Do you understand that? Aha, uh-huh. so you are like her. You did nothing to earn it. You did nothing to work for it. God just decided that he likes you. He likes your face and he wants to always see it. Do you get it? That's what righteousness means. You can go and sit down. In the Old Testament, they would often refer to the upright. They would say Job was an upright man because he feared God. But when you begin to read Job's friends, the things Job's friends said about Job, you wonder, how was Job an upright man? You know that one of the things Job's friends said about him is that you, you steal from widows. You know they said that about Job? That he stole from widows. He takes from the widows. He collects. He's a wicked man. His friends called him a wicked man. His friends were not surprised that he was being afflicted. Read the book of Job. Many people haven't. You just read chapter 1 and 42.10. And the Lord turned again the captivity. I mean, he turned... When he prayed for his friends, that's the important part. Pray for your friends. Job's friends thought he was wicked. Yet, God bragged about Job. and said, have you seen my servant Job? There's none like him in all the land. Did you read about David? You know, David was a wicked person. He wasn't nice. I am convinced that many of you are called David because your parents don't read their Bibles. I'm very sorry. Pastor David, we love you. (laughs) Because if you read about David in scripture, the David of the Bible, he had some good moments, but damn, that guy was bad. (laughs) You know how wicked you must be? You wake up in the morning, kings have gone to fight. You say, I'm not fighting. I say at home. So you, now first of all, you are committing a crime. You've sent people to die for you and you don't care. Because that's what it is. How can you as a king enlist soldiers? You tell them, go and die. In the old, in olden times, kings went to battle with their soldiers. They will be at the forefront of the war. Do you understand? But no, this guy said, no, no. Go, go and, go and die. So they went to die. And then he woke up from sleep. And he wasn't praying that father, as they're going to die, protect them. No! He was just parambulating the palace. He was restless. Then he saw a woman bathing. First of all, spied. Then sent a servant to go and call her for him. Then, and he knew who she was. It wasn't like she was a stranger. You know, we sometimes read that story and we think, oh, David saw her and is like, ah, 
who is this beautiful thing? He knew exactly who she was because her husband was a captain in his army. He had had strategy sessions with her husband. They were friends. He called her, slept with her, put a baby inside her. Then when the husband came back and found out that his wife had slept with somebody else, after months of fighting that person's battle somewhere else, the husband got angry. And then when the husband came to query David, David made him sit outside and stay outside for a long time, sleep there. Then the next morning, they were going for another battle. David called another captain and said, you see this person now, he's not a serious person. Put him where the battle is the strongest and leave him. Leave him alone to fight everybody so that he would die. Yeah, that was David. <laughs> and yet, it's the apple of God's eye. Are you getting this? Nobody in scripture was righteous because they were good. <laughs> not David. Definitely not David. Not Abraham. Not Paul. No one. And we, because of the need to draw moral lessons from scripture in Christianity, we oftentimes exaggerate how good these people were. For instance, we, are, we exaggerate Rahab's goodness. First of all, in all of scripture, she was the only one known as Rahab, the prostitute. You know how terrible you must be? <laughs> that your designation is the, pro- you are not a prostitute, the. There are many prostitutes, but you, it is you, you are the prostitute. You know why she lived in the city walls? So, in our modern day time, um, if you've ever driven around Lagos before, and you drive to Ikeja, you would come across these hotels, and you will see these ladies of the night standing in front of the hotels in the evening, right? Because they expect that the airport is close to that's the whole it's just business the airport is close to is in Ikeja so if you if the if you land in Ikeja and you you'll find a hotel to sleep if you don't have somewhere that you are going to sure if you find a hotel to sleep you might want to just have companionship for the night they will offer you friendship for one night you know that's why Rahab lived in the wall that strangers would be coming into Jericho alright and they, because Jericho was a big city, it was a commercial city. So strangers would be coming into Jericho, and the ones who come into Jericho, before they process themselves into Jericho, they would need somewhere to stay temporarily. So she would offer them accommodation and companionship. Do you understand? She was a very skilled prostitute. Very skilled at what she did. So these two spies came in, and she took them in like her normal customers. That was the reason why when the soldiers came to her house and they said, we are despised, she said, I've not seen anybody. They didn't ask the, because they know there's a level of discretion that must be used here. Maybe there's a politician in her room. Let's not fight too much to search her place. Right? This is Rahab, Hebrews 11 Rahab. Nobody was made righteous in scripture because they, they deserved it. No one can. In fact, in Romans 9, Paul quotes David. He says, there's no one who is righteous. No, not one. No one is good before God. Not one. So, 
when he now says the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him, it is one of two things. It's either nobody's prayer will ever be acceptable to God or anybody whose prayer will be acceptable to God will only be acceptable to God because God chose that to be acceptable to him. Are you getting this? So, now that God has made you his righteousness in Christ Jesus. He has conferred upon you that right standing. He has chosen that you have access. Give me Romans chapter 5 verse 1 and 2. I want to show you something. It says, therefore, everybody read together one to go. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Notice that you are not justified by your actions. You are not justified because you, you did what was necessary. You are justified by what? So how are you justified? Because you believed in Jesus. That's all. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. By whom we also have what? You have what? Yeah. So when you pray, you must pray with this consciousness. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is wrong. Let me now tell you. Let me come. Let me distill it down. It is wrong as a believer to want to pray. And then you get on your knees and you start your prayer with, Father, I know I'm not worthy to come before you. It is an insult to his choice. Do you understand? You are behaving like those people that somebody will compliment you and say, you look nice. You say, oh, this old dress. That means you are telling the person that told you you look nice that their fashion taste is poor. And many of you do it. You say, you look nice. say, eh, I'm not doing anything special today. Just say thank you and go. So God says, I see you. You are my child. I want you before me. Then you come and say, Father, we know we are not worthy to stand before you. And then God says, am I a joke to you? It is wrong as a believer to start your prayers that way. Do you understand? Even before Jesus left the earth, he told his disciples, he said, when you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed is your name. Do you understand? He didn't come, he didn't say, when you pray, say, our Master, God. You know, many of us start our prayers like that because we think if we just say, our Father. You know, many of us start our prayers with, um, everlasting Father, eternal rock of ages, King of glory, Lord of lords, King of kings. Uh, listen, it's fine. Sing his praises, but do it for the right reasons. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, do it for the right reasons. Don't do it because you, you feel like if you don't, it, he's not Oriki, he's not an idol, he's not an African idol. That before you come before him, you must, you must whine him, whine him. You know, okay, okay, what do you want? <laughs> You pray with identity consciousness. Do you understand? Yes, you pray with identity consciousness. For those of you that have good earthly fathers, if you need to ask your dad for anything, you just go, knock on the door, open the door. Daddy, are you busy? Can I talk to you? Thank God our father is not busy. He has our time all the time. Do you understand? So you pray with that consciousness. He says you have access by his faith. Do you get this now? We have pure access. 
do you so and it so what i'm trying to tell you is you always have god's attention always you can be walking on the road talking with other people then just stop and say father and he says i'm listening do you hear me yes, sir. Mm. this is why many people don't know how to pray it's time to pray you start looking for okay I, I, I need to look for somewhere some special place and listen the movie war room was lovely and yes you should have prayer time and it's cute to have a prayer closet but there's something dangerous that that might do to your mind you might feel like until you are in that place you're not praying it's a dangerous place to be because I can be in the bus on my way to work and I will say, Father, and he will hear me. Like, I have his attention. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. It might be, I might be at a friend's party, so we might be playing in the house, and then I get, I just look at my phone, something I don't like is happening. I do, Father, and he's listening to me. Praise the Lord. So you pray with identity consciousness. Number two, prayer must come from knowledge. Prayer must come from knowledge. Before I continue talking, write this down. Although your emotions must be a part of your prayer, although your emotions must be a part of your prayer, your prayer must never be driven by emotions alone. And I'll explain what that means in a bit. Although your emotions must be a part of your prayers, your prayers must never be driven by emotions alone. Some of you, some people, not you, just pray one prayer. That's person, why did you pray that way? So I was so angry, I just let it out. First, I think it's Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Let me be sure. Yeah, Second Peter 1 12. It says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though you know them and be established in this present truth. I don't know if you have this, but do you have the amplified version? Okay, look at that. It says, so I intend always to remind you about these things. Although indeed you know them and affirm in the truth that you now hold. Listen, when it comes to truth, remembrance is the most important thing. You see, because it's not the truth you know that will help you. It's the truth you remember that will help you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Have you ever been an exam? And you, you, after the exam, you came out. And you know that thing over Sabi people used to do? It's only over Sabi people that do it after the exam where they start to say so what was your answer in number four what was your answer in number two if you if you are like me and you don't know anything when you finish writing the exam you drop the paper you drop your biro 
and go home and sleep, eat and sleep and prepare for the next paper. It's over sabi people that when I start asking, what was your answer in number four? What was your answer in number five? And so, let's say my three of us are people are Nifesi, Maiwa, and Ore. And so, Nifesi says, oh, the answer was six. Ore says, the answer was six. But Maiwa's answer was Kaduna. <laughs> so, so, they're like, why is your answer Kaduna? <laughs> and so, Nifesi says, oh, I see where you got it wrong. You forgot. Or don't you remember that when, okay, so for Iraq chemical engineering, so I can only think of a chemical engineering example, one thing that messed with, a, okay, one thing that messed with science students, converting from degrees to radiance. Raise your hand if you remember that. Not many people do. Converting from degrees to radiance, that thing, it, it spoiled a lot of people's results. But another one is in chemical engineering, this thing is not even straightforward. Work done on the environment is, is negative. Work done by the environment is positive, depending on context. So now, your answer was six, your answer was six, your answer was minus 12. Then where did you get minus from? And then maybe you are the one that is right and they are the ones that are wrong. So you're now like, oh, you guys got six. You don't realize. You forgot that work done on environment is negative. They will now say, ah, did they know it before they did? They just didn't remember it. Do you get it? Yeah. So it's what you remember that will grow you. In prayer, you must remember the truth that you have learned. This is why in Christianity, in the Bible, after the prayer for salvation, the next most prayed prayer is the prayer for knowledge. That's the truth. Because you are only as strong as you know. Don't finish listening to these teachings on prayer and then go back and continue praying the way you used to pray. Do your best to inculcate the things you have learned in your prayer culture. When you pray, you pray from knowledge. There are certain things that as a Christian, as a believer, we must never hear, especially one who has been taught scripture properly now. We must never hear in your, in your prayer time. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that affects every other thing, not just your prayer time. In the songs you sing, especially in church. In the jokes that are funny to you. Your knowledge of, of gospel, your knowledge of the scriptures must influence all those areas of your life. So, when you were in Sunday school, and when you were growing up, there was a song you used to sing. Um, when you come to collect your people, remember me, O oh Lord, remember me, O oh Lord. But now you have learned. It was for you he died. It is for you he's returning. So, in your prayer place, we shouldn't be hearing statements like, Father, may I be eligible for heaven? Make me eligible for heaven. What? What? Say, he has made me, he has made me. Eligible, for heaven. eligible for heaven. I came from heaven, came from heaven. And, I will there. and I will return there. I'm only an ambassador on earth. My real home is heaven. So, 
And listen, this is why I, I, I said that first statement, that although your emotions must be involved in prayer, they must not control your prayers. Because you may have done something that doesn't make you feel like you're an ambassador from heaven. Amen. So you may have done something wrong, something that, that doesn't make you feel like you're worthy of God's love. And the devil, very smart guy, he, he capitalizes on moments like that. So you, you lift up your voice to prayer and say, Father, and the devil say, Father who? You. Even if every other person is calling God Father, you. You should be a house boy. That's what you are. So what do you do in moments like that? Not, Father, I'm not worthy to come before you. You turn and say, Father, thank you because despite my weaknesses, you have made me worthy. Do you understand? That's how to pray. We should hear what you know in your prayers. That's how to pray. You are sitting down amongst friends. Suddenly, one of them starts to manifest demonic possession. You are laughing. It happens. Now, you know that you have authority in Christ. As a person who has authority in Christ, your prayer point should not be, Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever is wrong with this person, deliver him. In the name of Jesus, deliver him. In a, no. The prayer should sound something like this. Thank you for authority that you have given to me. In Jesus' name. Now, you devil of darkness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an authority you should come with. Say, listen, listen, listen. Go. Let me tell you, demons don't go because you are a grown Christian. <laughs> you know, may our generation correct the errors that previous generations brought to the body. Matthew 16, 16. I think it's Matthew 16, 16 to 18. No. Matthew 28, 17 to 19, please. Mark 16, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Just give me and this science shall follow them. That's what I'm looking for. There we Matthew 28 now. Is there a problem? Okay, Mark 16. All right, Mark 16. Everybody read Mark 16 together. One to go. And these signs shall follow them that believe. What's the number one sign? What's the number one sign? You don't cast out devils because you are a grown Christian. You cast out devils because you believe in Jesus. That's not very difficult. It's actually very simple. You don't cast out devils because you have years of Christianity under your belt. The devils don't care for your years of Christianity that much. You cast out devils because you are a grown Christian. And we will cast them out in their numbers. I will put sugar in the senses. I've seen it happen. You know, one time in, in the university, there was a young man who was possessed or he was being oppressed by a devil and he was manifesting, for lack of a better word. 
and this ring of prayer warriors put their hands around him and were praying in tongues. And I said, uh, when I, so somebody went to call me because I was already doing ministry by that time. So someone went to call me that, oh, there's somebody, he's doing this, I should come, I should pray for him. So I, I came on the scene and I saw all of them hands in a circle praying in tongues. Okay, nice. But why? <laughs> That's not what you do in a, in, a, in a setting like this. When this is happening, maybe you pray in tongues a little bit to stir up yourselves. But stop the praying and address the problem. It's akin to, it's akin to having a wheat or a tree in a place that you don't want. Then instead of cutting the tree down, you start to mow the lawn around the tree. Yes, it will make for a very beautiful lawn, but the tree will still be there. You have to cast out that devil. You have to tell the devil, get out, go. Do you understand? When you wake up from a dream, something, maybe the devil is trying to oppress you in a dream. You don't, don't call me. What am I supposed to do for you? What am I supposed to do for you that you can't do? What do you do in that moment? In the name of Jesus, I take authority over. I, I'm teaching you how to pray. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't call me, Pastor. Pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. In the name of Jesus, right now, I take authority over the devil. I take authority over the oppression, oppressions of the devil in my life. I command them to cease and stop now in the name of Jesus. And you can pray in tongues some and then make your declarations again. Stop looking for who will pray for you. The worst kinds of people are those ones who will just call you and say, Pastor, pray for me. What about Pastor, just pray? What do you think I do with my time? Just money till night and just pray for random people. So as you called me, I, I stopped and said, God, one minute. Hello. Brother Tarakus. Say, Pastor, pray for me. What about, brother? Say, just pray. I say, I got you, bro. God. We pray from knowledge. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, there are certain people who have brought certain cases before me. And I'll say, okay, tell me what the problem is. And I listen to the things that you're saying. And you've been telling me, Pastor, pray. Pastor, pray. And I just finished listening to you. And I'm saying, you don't need prayers. Just do this, this, this. And let's see what results you would have. Because it's not prayers you need. It's not everything. It's not every problem you have that needs prayers. Praise the Lord. A believer must pray from knowledge. You, your, what you know must reflect in your prayers. And part of praying from knowledge is the fact that, and this is probably the next point, the fact that now that you know, I taught you priorities in prayer last week, and I told you there are some prayers that are more important than the others. And it's probably not the ones you are thinking about. Because to many people, the important prayers are when we tell you to pray for yourself, pray for your family, every spirit of death, every spirit of this, from my father's side, from the north, from the south, east, west. Mm. Those, some of those prayers are okay. But when we now say, let us begin to pray for souls, let us begin to pray for um, the believers in the east or in the north who are being persecuted, let us begin to pray some of just just.
In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You're not praying from knowledge because you don't, you, you don't act like you know what is important. Do you understand? A believer must pray from knowledge. There are some things you shouldn't say again in your prayer, please. It must not be heard again. I know you are distraught, but that prayer, Oluwa, Shanumi, Oluwa, Shanumi, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, is not a prayer. Ah, but pastor, when I prayed, God heard. God listened because he's a good father. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or... So, if it has crossed your mind, he heard you. But, Shanumi, Shanumi, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. It's not a prayer point. It's, I'm telling you now, it's not a prayer point. And this is the way God behaves. Let me teach you now. The times of ignorance God has winked at, but he calls all men to repentance. There are things that you did and God ignored some years back and still gave you results regardless. You did it, but after a while, it seemed like it stopped working. Raise your hand if that has happened to you before. It just suddenly seemed like it stopped working. Why? Because God might ignore a few moments of ignorance, but he does not expect you to stay in ignorance. Do you hear what I'm saying? So maybe you went to a particular church. It was a mantle service. They gave you one handkerchief. You tied the handkerchief on your head and you were carrying it up and down and something happened. You put the handkerchief, a miracle happened. You're like, my God, there's power in this. And God is just looking at you. You did it again. He ignored it. At some point, that handkerchief will lose. Or you will put it and it will not work. Because God will say, I want you to learn that the power is inside you, not in the handkerchief. Do you understand? It's in you, not in the handkerchief. Just, just have faith, have faith, have faith. Praise the Lord. So all those, you know, many of us think <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Everybody look to the screen. It says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now, there is a context within which this applies, especially, you know, what Jesus was talking about. But there's a context within which it applies in our time too. When you start your prayer, like I've already said earlier, if I last the Father, King of glory, I am that I am ancient of days, you are bigger than the biggest, stronger than the strongest, mightier than the mightiest, and you think because you came with all of that, God will hear you. You're using vain repetitions. When it comes to prayer, go straight to the point. Thank God and go straight to the point. Do you hear what I'm saying? And the truth is, like I've said, African traditional religion 
an African culture, the way we mixed it with our Christianity is so beautiful to see. Raise your hand if the first song almost every morning during morning devotion in your family home is good morning Jesus, good morning Lord. I know you come from heaven above. The Holy Spirit is on. What does that mean? Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Lord. I will enter. Because we are dramatic as Africans. In our minds, the first song was, you are knocking, good morning, G. We have come, oh. <laughs> I know you come. So now that I've finished greeting you, I will enter his game. And we think because of those things we are heard. He <laughs> says, when you pray, don't behave like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let me tell you something you need to learn about prayer. Any one pattern of prayer that you repeat will soon become dangerous to you. So when, when I give you a sequence of prayers, I tell you, you must start your prayers with, um, what's the first thing they said? Thanksgiving, then you move to asking for forgiveness, then you move to, once I give you a format of prayer, I have eliminated the main thing that makes prayer prayer, which is the organic communication between a father and his children. Do you understand what I'm saying? Imagine you were dating somebody and the person had a format of talking to you. Some of you, ladies, there are guys that are checking you that you saved their name on your phone with the formats that they talk to you. So it's always, good afternoon, beautiful, or good afternoon, my princess, or good afternoon, queen. Uh, how are you? Have you eaten? <laughs> and many of you, because of that, you refused their advances because there is no. You prefer somebody who just, hey, how are you doing? Good afternoon. And then just go straight to the point. Talk. Make you laugh. Make you happy. You're complaining. Your DMs. Just come and talk and go. But no. Good afternoon. How are you? Have you eaten? Many of us want to adopt that style of communication with God where it must first be thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for our lives. Thank you for the privilege of sleeping and waking up. Many slept last night that have not woken up this morning. But Baba, we are grateful. Baba, we are grateful for the miracle of life in the name of Jesus, Baba. In any way that we have sinned against you. Now, you pray like that every day. At some point, those words will not have meaning anymore. At some point, your thanksgiving won't have meaning. And that's the reason why, till now, for many of you, even if you love God so much, the thanksgiving part of the prayer is always the most quiet part. We tell you, pray for your family, there's noise. We tell you, pray for your career, there's noise. Or I begin to thank God for answered prayers. In Jesus' name, we are. amen. Because in your mind, thanksgiving is only a tool to access God. You are not talking to God, you are talking at Him. 
by just throwing things at him. You must never pray that way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. No, you mustn't. You mustn't. So, when you pray, avoid vain repetitions. Avoid, avoid creating patterns in your prayer. If the patterns are organic, maybe that's the way you naturally talk. Okay, fine. Some of us think that if we pray KJV, then we are praying. Oh Lord God, thou art worthy to be praised. Say, yes, I'm praying now. What's thou? Do you use that in your normal English language? Thou. For thine is the kingdom. And yes, some, sometimes you're quoting scripture and that's the way you learn the scripture. It's fine when you're quoting scripture in your prayer time. But when you are just talking to God, normally you now start using thou, thine. You know, in some people's minds, they expect God to speak in KJV. They expect God to speak in KJV. They expect God to talk in Tao. So God cannot say, my son, you have annoyed me. Say, my son, Tao has angered me. That's a, they expect God to talk that way. Do you know that? God speaks in the language you understand best. So to some, you speak in English. Others in Yoruba. So some in Igbo, Aosa, he just talks. Avoid vain repetitions. Avoid unnecessary patterns. So if I want to pray, I must start with this and enter this and enter there. Then I will now end here. Format. If I do it like that, God will hear me. And then God is like, I don't listen because of all of those things. I listen because you are my child. Now, why those things are dangerous is some of those things will begin to lose their meaning because they now become just a cog in a wheel for you. So when we ask you to actually magnify God, a lot of people don't get the concept of magnifying God in their hearts. So because all the words that you should use to magnify God, they are just prayer starter to you. Everlasting Father, King of Glory, I am that I am, Ancient of Days, Eternal Rock of Ages, the Mighty Man in Battle. And all of those things are nice. But when you say them, you say them mindlessly. You never think about how he truly is the I am that I am. He is the eternal rock of ages. The one we run to when our ever-present help in time of need. You don't think about how those words have meaning. You just say them because that's how you start your prayers. So you, you don't really have a concept of magnifying God in your heart. Because the part of your prayers that should magnify God became routine. It's dangerous. Number three, the last thing I'll teach before we go. Prayer must be heartfelt. Prayer must be heartfelt. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. Are you learning something this morning? Alright, it says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are where... Come on now, are you cool? Should we do the Father Abraham thing again? All right, everybody read Colossians 3, 1 and 2 together. I want to go. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Verse 2, he says, set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. 
if it is your affection, you are to set it. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's this song we would normally sing um, by Victoria Orenze. Beautiful song. Oh Lord, set my heart on fire for you. There is... That song is not a bad song, but there's a way you sing it that is irresponsible because he is to provide the fire, but you are to provide the wood, the sacrifice, the thing that will burn the fire. So, God can call you to a Holy Ghost meeting and we'll say we're setting fire to your prayer altars, all you like. But if you don't learn to set your affection on the things of God, if you don't choose to delight yourself in the things of God, you will never experience that passion that you have been looking for. Many people don't understand how passion works. A lot of people think that passion just comes, it just wakes up. No, passion is always cultivated, always, always cultivated. There is a story that is often told about, about a man who was having issues with his wife. Many of you must have heard it before. A man who had issues with his wife and they went to see a marriage therapist they were hell-bent on ending the relationship they went to see the marriage therapist and they said the man went to see the marriage therapist and he said I want to end things with my wife I want to divorce I just want to know how to go about it I'd not come here for advice and the therapist said okay let's do it like this divorce this time next year but from now till this time next year make sure you don't treat your wife badly Make sure every day you treat her like a queen. Make sure you wake her up the right way. You give her everything she needs. You are there for her. You are supportive. One year, after one year, come and process your divorce papers. At the end of one year, this man came back to see the therapist. The therapist said, would you want to process? Let's go ahead with the process. And the man said, no. Why would I? My wife has been the most excellent person in the last one year. Why? A lot of people think that passion is just emotions. No. The emotions wear out. Listen, listen, let me tell you. Psychologists will tell you. I think it takes six weeks for any emotional hormone you feel to wear out. Six weeks. Anything outside those six weeks is cultivated. Do you hear what I'm saying? Anything. Ginger is overrated. Anything. So when it comes to your spiritual life, your love for God must, must be cultivated. He says, see that you've been risen with Christ. He says, seek those things that are above, that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your affection. He didn't say pray for your affection to be, he said you should set it. He said you should keep your affection on things that are above. So, in, the, in, in secondary school, or in the university, there were courses you didn't like, is that true? Courses you didn't like at all. And then, it's exam season. You don't say, because I don't like this course, I will not write the exam. Is that correct? What do you do, especially for courses that you don't like? You put in more work, is that true? So, you stay up all night studying. Some of you put your legs inside pockets of water or you drink coffee. You do everything you can to stay up, to study. What are you doing? You are setting your affection. That even though I don't feel any emotional connection towards this subject, I must tune myself in such a way that I appear passionate towards it. When it comes to prayer, you must do the same. Many people think that 
um, for those of us who are always talking about prayer, we always feel like praying. No! Ah, you must set, you must drag your body to eat. eat. Ah. There is nothing you love today that you didn't cultivate. You may have been attracted to it at the beginning, but if you will love it further, you will cultivate it. Maybe you love reading books because maybe you read one book one time and you liked it. Do you know that if after you read that book one, that one time and you liked it and you didn't open any other book, you didn't buy it, that love would die. Is that correct? It will die. But you cultivated your love for books by going to search for books, by borrowing books from your friends. And then when you started making money, you started putting that money into buying books. So much so that you've bought some books that you are ashamed to tell people how much you spent on the book. Is it true? Or gadgets. The first phone they bought for you. They just bought phone for you. It was okay. Then everybody started singing iPhone, iPhone. Before the whole world was singing iPhone, you didn't care. You didn't even know that you needed better picture quality. You were fine with what you had. You were okay. But the world influenced you in such a way that you now looked forward to buying the phone. You gathered all your money. You were saving. You were starving. Do you understand this principle? You, you, so instead of you to eat, you would cut the money in half. Use half to buy food. The remaining half, you keep it. You are saving money. Then your money is finally enough. You go. You purchase the phone. And you are satisfied in the phone you purchased. And then after a while, you are tired of using the phone. But ah, no. I saved so much for this one. I must, be, I must enjoy it. I must love it. Now, after you've saved so much, you've bought the phone, you buy a screen protector, you buy a pouch. You don't want it to just fall and break anyhow. That's how to cultivate passion. When it comes to the things of God, you cultivate passion in that way also. I've often said it. You can fake it till you make it when it comes to the things of God. You might not really love the church as much as you ought to. Don't worry, you can cultivate it. Let me tell you how. Start like this, set an alarm Saturday morning. When you wake up, that alarm should reach tomorrow is Sunday with four exclamation marks. I'm going to church. Then, make a habit of picking out your clothes on Saturday. What? I have to slay to church tomorrow, so I have to look nice. You pick out something, you iron it down, you keep it. Then, you put your offering aside. You keep your transport aside. Before long, you start looking forward to Saturday morning. Just because of that alarm. You start looking forward to Sunday morning. You've taught yourself to love it. It's true. You can, so when it comes to prayer, prayer must be heartfelt. And not just in the culture of prayer, but in the practice of prayer, it must be heartfelt. Listen, there are times when your prayer is not going to carry and you just sit down, you're just praying, just put your hands in your pocket and just, okay, thank you, Lord Jesus. And you're just talking, that's fine, that's okay. But if that's how you pray every time, you don't have a prayer culture. Do you understand what I'm saying? And don't tell me I'm a quiet, reserved person. I've seen you watch football before. Especially when it's your team that is playing. If you're a Man United fan, Maguire does one Maguire thing. So what kind of, what kind of, do, do, what kind, why, why, why? And this person is captain. How can he be captain? And then you start ranting. And everybody's tired of hearing you rant, but they must listen to you. They score, you go, go! But you come to church, you say, shout glory, and you're putting it in your pocket. 
You need to learn to set your affections. We've seen you watch movies. Don't enter there. Don't enter there, white people. White people. Why will you enter there? They can't hear you. They can't see you. In your mind, you know that what you're doing doesn't make sense. But you're still going to do it. But when we, when we come to church and ask you to pray, you can't emote. Do you get what I'm saying? You, you just stand in one place. So the issue is not that you are shy. The issue is you haven't set your affection. You don't know to set your affection. You don't know. These things I'm teaching you, try it. Maybe before, you, you didn't understand why people loved the word of God the way they do in this church. I mean, everybody looks forward to the, to the time for the teaching. In many other places, the most important or interesting parts of service are the praise worship when they dance and then testimonies when you hear stories. And after that, everybody sort of just zones out. But here, we dance, we worship, then it's time for the word everybody's paying attention. And you can't understand why it's that way. Let me teach you something you should do. So start like this. When you wake up in the morning on a Sunday morning, say, I'm looking forward to the word of God today. You may not mean it to just say it, say it. Just keep saying it. Allow me to borrow from a movie, because I watch movies. How many of you have seen the movie Three Idiots? Raise your hand if you have. Raise your hand if you haven't. Why? Why haven't you seen the movie? Please stand up and tell the church why. <laughs> I'm just joking. But there's, there's something the main character said. He said, the heart is an idiot. It needs to be tricked. Do you understand? And so he said every time he's afraid, he tells his heart, all is well. Do you remember that? All is well. All is well. That's the way the heart is. It's true. So your heart may not be feeling it. It's Sunday morning. I don't want to go to church. I feel very lazy and tired. But you start tricking your heart. Boy, it's Sunday. I'm going to have a lovely day today. The word is for me. Yeah, the word is for me today. So you get dressed. And then suddenly your heart is like, maybe something is happening that we don't know about. Suddenly you begin to feel pumped about something. Let me tell you, your friends do this thing to you. You probably wanted, there's a movie. You saw the ad, you're like, your friend, have you seen the movie? Hey! And then suddenly you're like, ah, is it that good? See? It's nice. You've, you saw the ad. And when you saw the ad, you're like, meh, no. But when you're, you, you have some friends that can hide, they will hype it like this. If you see, they're just frightened. Hey, God. See, I don't want to lie, but that might be the best movie I've seen this year. They say that for every movie they watch. And suddenly, in your heart, you're now looking forward to watching the movie. Raise your hand if that's true. You can trick your heart. Before you know what's going on, you come to church, you sit down, it's time for the word, and you don't know why, but you're excited for it. Okay, it's time for the word, let's go. And then the word comes and you're blessed. You go home, I was blessed today, thank God. Learn to set your affections. In prayer, please, learn to set your affections. When was the last time you cried in prayer? You were praying for something, you were emotional about it, you actually cried. Big brother is about to, if I catch you. Go and watch what you want to watch. Don't bring it where I am. Catch you. Big brother is about to start now. Thank God I, I don't personally know anybody who stands Big Brother housemate to the point that you, you cry if they leave the house. 
You know people do, right? Okay. Cry. I was, I was rooting for him. That root. <laughs> you must learn, see, if it will take switching off your phone in your prayer time, it's time to pray, you switch off the phone, you drop the phone. Or maybe you, you are listening to music, you're using the music to pray. So you have to put on your phone, switch it to airplane mode. I don't want to receive texts. I don't want to call anybody. Switch it to airplane mode. Drop the phone somewhere. Pray. Switch off the TV. Pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? Try this thing next time. A couple of friends come over to your house or you go to their house. Before you leave, say, let us pray. Even if you don't feel like praying, just say, let us pray. I promise you what will happen will shock you. I know it's, it's off-brand for you. Brands always evolve. Tell your friends, let us pray. And not be, Father, thank you for today's meeting as we go. Mm-mm. Let us pray. Let's just take five minutes and talk in tongues. When I was in the university, it was a trap. You come to my room and I tell you, can we pray for five minutes? You're going to sleep there. You will sleep there. We're going to do two hours, one hour. We're going to pray well. And the truth is this. You won't want to go. Because at some point, the prayer will take over you. That's how to build healthy relationships. Let us pray. I have some friends. If they call me and say, can we pray five minutes? I say, not now. Not these five minutes. Because I know you. It's not going to be five minutes. Let's pray five minutes in the next two hours when I'm settled. Three days ago, or was it four days ago, a friend of mine called me. He said, brother, can we just pray? We ended up, that call lasted like three hours. So can we just pray for five minutes, just a few minutes? You should have friends like that. If you don't, be that friend. Let, let, let's just pray. Our parents knew it. My Yoruba is very shaky. But when it's time to go, it's Ejeka Badura. So let's pray. Stand up. Sometimes that prayer will last 30 minutes. They will sing in that prayer. They will clap in that prayer. They will now give word of knowledge in that prayer. <laughs> yes, but they've built prayer life. Prayer must be heartfelt. Your heart must be involved in prayer. Praise the Lord. Try these things I'm teaching you. They'll work. They'll work. Tell your friend that all you people call is gossip. You are the latest gist. It does not pass you people by. It's fine. The next time, call them say, girl, 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 girl. (laughs) Say, do you have any gist for me? Say, yeah, can we pray? Praise the Lord. Stand up, let's pray. We have five minutes praying the language of the Holy Ghost. Make sure it is heartfelt, fervent. If you need to shout till your heart gets it, shout. Raise your voice and pray. Come on, pray the language of the Holy Ghost. Brata kapata koria kantai kaba arapa konte pilia akatoa shaka tambeliata erepete kotombelekeata efenenento poroto posha zata tata hey palakotia asapatoa shatoa arabatangate ripete kotopoto kotopolota asabalata kabataya arepete 
Tepeleto, Gentecatai Kanto, Ipalato Samanta, I Kaparatwa, Jatan de Kipa, Asotai Kalato, Atakandalia, E Apalato, Agadada, Etete, Ipata, Atwata, Iganon de Kia, Esonananta, Efeleto, Nampata, Erebeletata, Epeleton de Kia, Epelecata, Jepetecata, Go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. Sata tata ta apalato ibereketa jepeteketeketa atala gotombeleta irapatatoria erapeletonda asaita asaita Go ahead and pray Setetetetetete you have one more minute grab somebody's hands and pray with fervency pray a heartfelt prayer pray karaita Lato is even on the coya, a pata show, a samanandea, a sata tota, a galeta, a rasa paya, a seminenta cota, is seminentaita, a sota cale, isotaka, a parasha toa, a palata. Come on, come on, come on, Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sit down one minute. Let's wrap service up. Next week, Sunday, we're going to have what is called a believer's meeting. And, and what, it, what, what that is, so I'm going to do a very short teaching on prayer. We will group ourselves up. We will pray prayer. And then we'll give each other words. We'll just edify one another, pray for one another. You see, when we gather like this in church... It's not just the pastor that has access to the Holy Ghost. Every one of us 
has access. Every one of us does. We all have that access to the Holy Ghost. Which means that it's not just the pastor that can get a word of knowledge and say, oh, there's someone here. No, we can group ourselves in little groups and we'll have words of knowledge. We'll have words for people, words of edification. Some to just comfort people and some to help them stand, to help them remain, to edify people. And that's what we're going to be doing next week Sunday. Take some time and pray and then we'll edify one another. Don't miss service next week. For many of you, I can hit my chest confidently and say, it will be a first time for some of you. You will give words of knowledge. You will know things about people's lives supernaturally. You will. You just will. It's not just the pastor that can. You can too. You should. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Let's just do that very quickly. Um, and then package your offerings. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Are you there? He says, how is it then, brethren, that when you gather, he says, or when you come together, each one of you has a psalm. Each one. Not, notice, each one. Not that there is a psalm in, the, in our midst. Each one has a psalm, or a doctrine, or a tongue, or a revelation, or an interpretation. When we gather, each one, every one of us comes. So the believer is not to walk into church expecting to just receive. You should come to dispense. Do you understand? So you carry the Holy Ghost. This room was just a room before we came. But when we came with the Holy Ghost, we stuffed the atmosphere. You getting what I'm saying? Ah. So we readied the place. Amen. This church, starting from next week, will have a strange outpouring of God's manifestations such that you will be stepping out of the door. Somebody will be walking in. As you pass each other, you just have a word. Say, brother, can I talk to you? The Lord laid something on my heart for you. And it will be spot on, spot on. Right there, spot on. Yeah. Look forward to it. Next week, son. Hallelujah. Please package your offerings. Let's wrap service up. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I almost don't feel like going. Just stay and pray a little bit more. But we're out of time. Package your offerings. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.